Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Trucking 101, surviving your first year with host Melissa Grimm. We'll talk about safety, managing your money, and real life out on the road. Our group has over 100 years of combined real-world driving experience. You've got questions, we've got answers. Now it's time for everyone's favorite DOT officer. 23 years in law enforcement, 7 years as a commercial transport officer. He was a CBSA instructor and has conducted thousands of roadside inspections. He now serves in the driver's side of our industry, Mr. Dale Howard. I'm just doing my job. Yeah, I'm the highway patrol. Well, good evening, and thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I am your host, Dale Howard, for the next hour. So uh, push one, and we'll get you in the queue and get you screened. And anything you want to talk about, we can... uh, we can certainly, uh, I'll do my best to uh, help you out. Compliance is my specialty, but hey, I'll take a run at anything. I thought tonight we'd start off with, uh, I got a couple of points. And uh, paying attention. <clears throat> you know, you don't have to look very hard on Facebook. And you've got somebody that's done something silly and wound up in a bad spot. And when you look at that, you go, geez, what, what were you thinking? And I got in trouble when I was on the job because I'd roll up to an accident scene and get out of my pickup and take a look around. And it's not that sensitive, I guess, to ask somebody that's just had a single vehicle accident, what the heck were you thinking? But I thought, you know what, it's a valid question because I know somebody's going to walk by my desk, look at those pictures, and go, geez, what the heck was he thinking? I just wanted to be able to answer that question. But So anyway, just pay attention to the little things. Uh, my last trip when I was coming home from California, uh, going through Montana, they've got a sign on the uh, roadside billboards. They've had 14 snow plows hit so far this snow season. I took a year off and worked for our local highway maintenance contractor, and I drove snowplow. And you know what? What's in front of that snowplow isn't really good. The road's not that great. There's snow. There's ice. What's behind that snowplow is at least plowed ground, and it's sanded. So I know I like to be behind the plow on sanded ground, rather than in front of the ground or in front of the plow on real questionable ground. So, yeah, please, guys, if you're in a snow area and the plows are at work, give them lots of room. Don't drive through that great big cloud of snow. So, uh, it, uh, you know, you wind up in a wreck. Uh, again, one of our uh, one of our maintenance contractors when I was on the job had a plow hit 
and same thing, the driver drove through this cloud of snow that was moving down the road, rear-ended the plow, knocked it upside down, a lot of damage, both drivers were hurt, and uh, yeah, just a bad situation that you don't need to be in. And if you've not seen it, there's a, a video on Facebook, and I imagine it's on YouTube, of a Utah Department of Highways plow that was hit, and I'm making the air quotation marks, by one of our professional drivers who was in a big hurry to go nowhere and punted that plow down a cliff and driver was very seriously injured. So please just give them some room and let them do their job. So that's kind of my rant on that. And uh, another, uh, another point I wanted to make was uh, on the weekend, there was a caller on uh, Kevin show on Saturday who uh, lives in Florida and he uh, scared himself in uh, uh, I think it was on Vail on 70 got himself into a jackpot and scared himself pretty good and he just kind of wondered how to you know regain his composure and and not be so anxious and so nervous so I thought we'd talk about that tonight a little bit because that's a great topic and kind of fills into the into the entry level new drivers. You know, you uh, you get into a situation and you start to panic and things are starting to go sideways, and uh, you know it everything kind of goes south on you. Really, what we can do is through breathing. And, and I'm sure Kevin and Kim have talked about this on Destination Health. But, you know, you're in a truck stop, and there's 100 guys watching you, and nobody will help you, but they're all quick with their phones on record to post whatever you do on, on Facebook, and that absolutely just makes me mental. But you start to get anxious, and you start to get ramped up, and that's when fenders get rubbed and mirrors get knocked off and and... Again, less than desirable things happen. So when you feel yourself starting to get anxious, just stop and start taking some deep cleansing breaths and regroup. And honest to God, this works great. In law enforcement, uh, we actually taught this, and it worked great. Because when uh, when you get yourself into a stressful situation, you know, it, it could have life or death consequences. So you... Uh, you know, you had to regain your composure. If you're going into an area and you got to go up over top of Vale or you're going over Donners and the weather's really, you know, not looking good and, you know, that morning you're already starting to, you know, amp yourself up because, you know, what if and what if. And the, uh, the first thing you want to do if you're a coffee drinker like me is don't have those two pots of coffee in the morning because coffee just amps you up so if i'm going into an area or into a situation that i don't like i just don't drink coffee that day and uh, small sips of water just have a replace that coffee cup in your cup holder with uh, with a bottle of water and uh, and just sips of water 
and it's amazing, you know, those two little things, how much better you're going to feel and you're going to make better decisions and your head's just going to be a lot clearer and, uh, and the outcomes will, will be a lot better. So if, uh, if you can do that and take those great big deep cleansing breaths right down to your toenails and exhale and another great big cleansing breath right down to your toenails and exhale, you know, that helps to bring your heart rate down and, and your blood pressure down and, and gets things kind of back under control. And it's okay to talk to yourself. Just try not to try not to answer, but you know, I do this when things, you know, when things aren't looking good and things aren't dicey, you know, it's okay to talk yourself down, <clears throat> excuse me, off that hill. And you know, it's okay. I can do this. I got this. Yep, this don't look good, but you know, great big breath and I can do this and and it's all good. So, you know, tuck those away in your toolbox and the next time you uh you find things are less than desirable, you know, give that a shot and see if that works for you. Cuz it's uh you know, I've I speak from experience and and I've had some great results with it. And another thing to remember is uh don't forget our skill sets are uh, are very different. The uh, my agency spent a lot of money on my driving skills. So my comfort level when things are less than desirable is way different than we'll say Melissa's and and no offense to Melissa uh we have different we we have different comfort levels and it again it just drives me nuts when i hear somebody say well you know it's not that bad out there i can do that well maybe you can but the guy that's looking out the window and seeing all that snow swirling around and that highway is that real dull kind of shiny gray he doesn't feel that good about it and you know, always always go with that gut instinct. And don't feel bad if five guys jump into their trucks ahead of you and call you a girl and tell you you're just a pansy, and away they go. Because you usually see one or two of those guys in the ditch down the road after things have improved. So don't ever feel bad about, you know what, I just don't feel real comfortable about doing this. And, uh, you know, heck, I've I've done that. And like I say, my agency spent a lot of money on my driving skills and and I've had uh I've had my commercial license for gosh, 38 years now, so I'm one of those dinosaurs and you know, there's days that I say, you know what? Tomorrow's a new day. So, uh please don't ever uh don't ever feel bad about that because I sure don't want to see any of our listeners on the Twisted Truckers Facebook page. What? Hey, Dale? Yes, sir. Hey, uh, you know, back uh, years ago, and I, I think I've talked about this, you've probably heard it, but years ago, um, Snyder had a skid pad for trucks. And uh, this thing was huge. Um 
And you want to talk about making improving skills. How about that? Improving skills and oh. making you feel better about getting in and out of those situations. Uh, now they've since dismantled. Oh, absolutely. Now yeah, and and they they've got it on uh, um, oh the simulator now. And the simulator's okay, but it's still nothing compared to you know being in that truck. Yeah, the, the, instru- the instructor can control every brake on that truck, and uh, I tell you what, I uh, I used to go up there every chance I got because I could if they had other students on there I could bump them off, and when I was training students I always took them up there. And, and put them on that. And uh, I had a driver that uh, he, he was a migrant from Canada, from Canada uh, who had come down who was driving for us. I'd put him on that. About a month later, I got a call from his uh, 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 dispatcher for, and thanking me for putting him on that uh, road, or for, you know, for putting him on the skid pad. Uh, he was on a two lane road uh, up in the northeast. Uh, it was getting icy. He was trying to get somewhere where he could get shut down. A woman lost control in a car coming the other direction, hit him in the drives. She spun under the trailer. The trailer tires went over the car. Now, yeah, there was a DOT officer behind him when it happened. They, When he got stopped, he ex- they expected to find somebody dead in the car. Uh, she had a few bumps and bruises and was absolutely fine. And... But according to the officer, he never left his lane. When he got hit and that truck started sliding, he did everything that he was taught, you know, and never left his lane. So, I mean, I, I guess my point is, you know, if you can find that kind of training, by all means, especially this wintertime driving, it's uh, it's been invaluable to me out here. Absolutely. Invaluable. Oh, absolutely. You know what? And that's a great point, Russ. And you know what? If your carrier doesn't offer uh, – you know, those opportunities, I guess, shame on them somewhat, but you know what, get a hold of your state or, uh, or for us in Canada, get a hold of your provincial, uh, trucking associations. And, uh, you know, they quite often will offer, you know, a professional driver's improvement course or a, uh, you know, an adverse weather driving course or, you know, something, and it's uh, it is money well spent because it's the skills that you learn and the confidence that you'll gain is just invaluable. Uh, you know, like I say, my uh, my agency spent a lot of money and and we qualified every two years in uh, in uh, emergency vehicle operations and. Uh, I was lucky because I also had one of our uh, command units. So once a year, I had to qualify driving. So it, uh, I got a lot of time on the track and, and developed a lot of great skills. But and that that kind of goes back to also don't panic. Uh, there's going to be lots of time for panic, but right now you've got shit happening. So you need to focus on what you're doing, and then when the wheels quit turning, then we can then we can panic. That's a good time to panic. But when when stuff's happening, that's a bad time to panic. So you know I throw that out there too that 
you know, make sure that, uh, you know, you're nice and relaxed as best that you can be and as comfortable as you can be in the wintertime because we're not done winter yet. And, uh, you know, just take those great big deep cleansing breaths and, and when you start feeling yourself ramped up, deal with it right then and there and uh, get, uh, you know, get things back under control and uh, you'll be fine through all this stuff because it's, uh, I just hate seeing trucks in the ditch and, and stuff that's accidents that have happened and pictures on Facebook because, you know, they truly are preventable and we just, we just need to, you know, focus and, and really pay attention to what we're doing. If you want to jump into the conversation, please uh, push one, and we'll uh, we'll get you screened. We're uh, we're well into the ELD mandate now, and uh, you know the sun is is just starting to go down here on the west coast. So it it came up every morning so far, and the Earth hasn't fallen off its axis. So uh, I think all that hype was. A lot about uh, a lot about nothing. Um, there was some growing pains and some uh, some uh, issues. And if you were, uh, you know, if you're working for a larger carrier that's been on ELDs, then it was pr- probably a very seamless uh, transition. If you're uh, working for a smaller carrier uh, like I am, we've only got uh, 15 trucks on the road. It uh, it was a a bumpy road. It wasn't uh, you know it wasn't the end of the world and and uh, not uh, you know nothing terribly serious for us. But uh, it's uh, you know they're here. They're not uh, they're not going anywhere. So uh, sit back and enjoy the ride on those if uh, anybody's got anything they wanted to uh, you know jump in and add about ELDs and problems um, they may somebody, have had uh, Dale um, yes. somebody did have a question about ELDs looks like their call dropped but I saw the question before it dropped they wanted to know what the rules were for personal conveyance oh god I hate personal conveyance here goes. Uh, the FMCSA just closed their comment period on personal conveyance. Uh, technically, the rules state that uh, you know you have to be unladen, and uh, you're using the truck for you know a personal you know personal uh, personal uh, business. You know, I'm going down to Albertsons to uh, get some groceries or I'm going over to Walmart or, you know, whatever I'm doing. You cannot reposition equipment. For example, uh, I'm unloading in, uh, where am I going, Santa Fe Springs tomorrow morning. And I just parked in Fullerton, California. So I can't claim from Fullerton, California over to Santa Fe Springs on personal conveyance and then up to the port to load my bananas to go back home. 
Now, if I wanted to drop my trailer and bobtail over to Walmart and uh, do some shopping, you know, by all means, that's that's personal conveyance. And I think the FMCSA is going to come out with a lot clearer definition. Uh, for anybody that runs Canada, the Canadian rule Okay, I think we lost Dale there for just a second. Should be able to get him back fairly quickly. Oh, are you there, Dale? Are you there? I'm sorry, my my phone's fighting with the truck. <laughs> I'm here. Um, the uh, uh, the FMCSA, like I say, has just closed their. Uh, comment period on personal conveyance and the rule of thumb is you can't reposition equipment I'm not sure where I disappeared but uh, for anybody that's running Canada the uh, Canadian rules are very specific uh, you must be bobtailing and you uh, are limited to 75 kilometers or roughly 45 miles is all you're allowed to do in a 24-hour period. So I don't know where the FMCSA is going to go with that, and uh, where the where the chips are going to fall. But that uh, that issue is being addressed. Now, I haul produce, and I get this question a thousand times, and all our drivers asked it. So I'll throw it out. For, for you guys. I'm at a produce shed and I'm backed in the door and my 14 hours is up and they finally get my one skid of strawberries that I've been waiting the last seven hours for. They put that on the trailer and say, whoa, you can't sleep here. You got to get out of here. You're done. You got to get off the property. Well, if you just drive off the property, you're in violation. In the old days on paper, we'd just drive to the nearest safe haven and rewrite history, and, and that violation never happened. But now that we're on electronic logs, we can't do that anymore. Well, the safe haven rule has never changed, and the hours of service never changed just how we record them. So what I've told all of our drivers to do is you're off duty. You hit personal conveyance and in the notes section, you write down Russ from Fred's Produce threw me off the property, drove to the nearest safe haven. And I do that under personal conveyance. And that means, again, that, you know, if I leave Driscoll's in Oxnard, I can't drive to the TA in Ontario, California, and claim that as my safe haven. Or I can't leave Yuma and go up to Nogales to my next pick as my safe haven. So, you know, just notes and an explanation in there so that if you get audited or if there's any questions, you know, you can explain what you did and why you did it, and it's a reasonable 
explanation and a reasonable solution to the problem. Because, yeah, you can't very well stuff the truck up your butt and go stand on the sidewalk when they throw you off the property. So, again, push one. If you think I'm right or you think I'm way out in left field or you got a better solution, I'm all ears. But that's kind of what we've told our guys. Dale, we, uh, we, we um, do have a question. Melissa, if you, Melissa, if you look at uh, area code 405, yeah. uh, that's Jason. Yeah. yeah, if you want to bring Jason on, right. he'll, he'll tell his deal about the ELD. All right. There you go, Jason. You're on the air. Well, good evening. Hey, How are you Jason. doing tonight? Good, thanks. How are you? Oh, doing great. Uh, things are things are running good. I got uh, this uh, trainee in here, and I'm I'm trying to get him going. See if we can make him get him up to speed. <laughs> wow, boy, my hat is my hat is off to you, and and I know that now you now you understand how how poor Jacob felt. But yeah, what? The, okay, that might have been too much. Poor Russ. I know if he had feelings, they'd have been hurt, but he doesn't. But yeah. <laughs> Well, he, I don't. I don't know if he could even hear it because I think your phone broke up for a little bit of most of what you were saying there. But <laughs> oh, but uh, I said I, I felt bad for you. You feel like Jacob <laughs> or Joel? Oh, Joel, boy. I'm sorry. Oh, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? What am I missing? I got gotcha. you. <laughs> well, um, I was uh, looking reading up a couple comments on Facebook today and I happened to see something I thought was pretty interesting. Um, I don't know if you happen to notice this post also, but a fella logs in there and he says that he tried, he called on a load and the agent, the broker uh, told him that they were running out of time for this load and they would only allow the truck to be put, the load to be put on a non ELD truck because they were afraid it wasn't going to get there on time. Uh, I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts on something like that are, and does that get awful? To me, that's awful close to uh, making a case for uh, coercion to falsify logs. Well, you know what, and Jason, I th- I think that's a darn good story, and I'm not sure that took place. Yeah, it's uh, you know what the brokers, whether we like them or not, seem to have embraced this. Uh, the ELD technology, and uh, I can speak for the brokers that we work for, and uh, I had quite a conversation with Matt about this. Uh, C.H. Robinson, and I'll just throw their name out there because everybody likes to hate them, but uh-huh. uh, there's, uh, you know, if you phone them up, or if, if you're looking at a load, and you know what, this can't be done legally, oh, okay, well, we'll reschedule that till tomorrow. Okay. It, it's yeah, just, that makes sense. And and if uh, you know when they're putting when they're submitting claims for detention, and, and we've experienced that, we're uh, we're not getting any pushback because we can, you know, we can send you the log of the truck, and and you know exactly he entered the property at 11:58 a.m. and he didn't leave the property. Till 9:57 that evening, so there's just no there's no question. Whereas before, on paper, you know, well, yeah, did he sit there or didn't he? You know, there was always that. 
but yeah, as far as a broker coming out and telling you that you have to commit fraud, because that's what you're doing. We can we can call it fudging and and we can call it you know creativity and but you're making a fraudulent entry is what you're doing and you're lying. So if your business model is okay being built on lies, deceit, and fraud, I'm not sure I want to work for a guy like that. Because if that broker is asking you to lie and commit fraud, then why would you be surprised if he lied to you about the rate and fraudulently withheld two-thirds of the revenue. Yeah. And, you know, a little sidebar to that, where I'll disagree that that took place. Uh, C.H. Robinson, uh, we talked a little bit about that before the show. I think, I want to say they've paid out over $12 million in, uh, in civil lawsuits revenue for using carriers that they, if they've done their due diligence and checked their safe stat scores, uh, you know, knew that this was a shady, a shady character and probably shouldn't be dealing uh-huh. with them. Uh, yeah, you know, the liability is just way too far out there. So if you ask a carrier to blatantly circumvent the law while wow, you just, if anything happens, just give the plaintiff a blank check and tell them to fill in their own amount. The uh, little mom and pop carrier in Central, pop, uh, Central Point, Oregon, uh, they just settled two years ago a $3 million lawsuit. And again, you know, My. they brokered a load to a one horse, one horse operator. And if they'd checked the safe stat score on, uh, the FMCSA's website, they'd have seen that this carrier had a history of violations. And and the problem, the problem for us, and I guess the beauty for these slimy ambulance chasing lawyers, is in a civil case, you only have to prove 1% negligence to get some kind of a settlement. So if you're not doing your due diligence or you've asked somebody to do something that's not right, or, or you've blatantly not done something, yeah, you're, you're hanging your butt out there a mile, and, and you're doing all the work for them. And yeah. I, I've, told this story, I've told this story before, but it's worth repeating. Uh, major, major carrier was, had a leased operator, leased to their carrier, and he was in Illinois, and he was 45 minutes from the house. And we've all heard this story. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm only 45 minutes from home, so why wouldn't I drive home? Well, I'll tell you why you shouldn't drive home. So he is at 11, or at that point it was a 10-hour rule. So he's at 10 hours and we'll say 35 minutes. He pulls up to the toll booth, and he's got the transponder in the glove box because he doesn't want that paper trail and he pays cash and he's just putting his wallet back on the dash and an intoxicated driver rear ends the tanker and dies. They sued and that owner operator lost his truck, lost his home and didn't matter if he was incorporated or not. He's the driver. So they sue you get named 
uh, that carrier was uh, paid out a substantial amount of money because that truck should not have been at that location at that time. He was in violation. He was on paper logs when we did the old nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And as ridiculous as this sounds, I have slept 45 minutes from the house. When you're out of hours, you're out of hours. And yeah, the kind of luck I have, somebody's going to drive into me. And, and I mean, if he was within the hours of service, it's a totally survivable accident. Instead, he made a poor decision that a lot of people have made, and it bit him in the butt big time. So that's one of the reasons why we have ELDs, and that's why it's so important not to, uh, you know, not to be doing silly things, because it's just. Uh, you know, it's just not worth your life, your career, yeah. and your carrier to be doing silly things. So, yeah, yeah, I I agree completely. I think that and, was, and like what you were saying with the broker, that was, uh, and I and I don't know for sure if the story's true. I know I know, you know, you got to make sure yeah. that you that <laughs> consider the source on Facebook. You know, uh, but if a you know, I mean, I've heard that saying for years, you know, if someone will lie for you, they'll lie to you. Uh, you know, if you're going to work with somebody who wants you to do something illegally, you know, someday they'll do it illegally against you also. Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really don't be surprised when, um, you know, when things go sideways on you. Yeah. Um Switching subject just a hair, or kind of going back to the uh, the personal conveyance deal, with the uh, with the comment section closed now. When does the new proposals go into effect, or do they rewrite them again? What's the what's the process on that um, on on the new proposal for clarification on the ELD, or uh, I mean on the personal conveyance? Well, they'll uh, it's everything works at the speed of government. So I'm not oh sure. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not sure how that'll play out. But typically, what uh, what happens? They close the comment period, and then uh, the agency will review all the comments, and then it'll go to kind of a committee where they'll they'll review all the comments and they'll review the current rule, and then they'll you know, kind of sit down and and make a decision as to, uh, you know, what, what if any changes are going to be. I wouldn't expect to see something for, you know, maybe a year. But like I say, everything works at the speed of government. But they may, you know, they may surprise us and, and come out with something, you know, within six months. But as it stands right now, it's that 50 shades of gray and, you know, technically you need to be unladen and, and you just, a good rule of thumb is you just don't reposition equipment. You know, don't leave LA and, and claim you went to Barstow 
as personal conveyance, and then you miraculously got a load off the Marine base and went to Chicago. Cause yeah, you need you need to uh, you need to start and stop from the same location, and you and you would won't it, go wrong. In in your opinion, would it be an abuse of the the personal conveyance to put yourself on that while you spend five minutes trying to find a place to park in a truck stop? I mean, oh, absolutely not, absolutely not. No, because you're, you know, basically you're done. And uh, and, and heck, I've done that. Okay. Well, I I I've you no, know, it's. I mean, I do that some just, you know, because I mean, there's times when it might take eight or ten minutes to finally get in a spot because you got to sit there for three minutes and or or oh, eight sure. minutes and watch Swift back in, you know, or or absolutely <laughs> like that or. Uh, you know, and so, okay. Well, well and a sense. couple of times, yeah, and a couple of times I've pushed the envelope, and and I've I've been on the exit ramp at the stop sign, and the uh, the truck stop entrance is, you know, three hundred yards down the highway, and I've got one minute left. So yeah, I've I've hit the off duty and personal conveyance, and because you're in personal conveyance for five minutes. Yeah. That's uh, so. You can you can make a good case on that. <laughs> absolutely, not, absolutely. I'm not advancing the load. I'm not repositioning the truck. The carrier's getting no benefit yeah. from what I'm doing. All those kind of arguments. So. And, yeah, and the only you know I'm not receiving any monetary gain because that's kind of the litmus test too. You know, is there a financial gain to uh, to what I'm doing? So sure. yeah, I'm just getting into a place to park and, and getting off the road and hoping I don't get hit. So, and like I say, when, you know, if you're, if you're thrown out of a, uh, out of a facility, I, uh, I use the off duty personal conveyance to get to that, that safe haven. And that's, that's allowed in the regulation. Uh, just make sure that you make notes so that six months from now, if you wind up in an audit and somebody asks the question, geez, you had uh you went 21 miles here in personal conveyance. What, what, what were you doing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> blue. I think it was blue. You know, somebody else squirrel. I don't know. I don't know what I did yesterday. So if yeah. the notes are there, they don't even have to ask the question because it'll, when they're looking at the sheet, it says right there. Oh yeah. Russ threw me off the property and I went to the TA, which was the closest safe haven, and you can see my 10-hour break. So, next. Yep. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna twist the personal conveyance here real quick. Uh, and this is actually oh, happened. No. I was. Uh, oh yeah. So I was bobtail. I went and uh, I don't know. I went down the road a little ways, visited a friend, spent a day or two there. And then booked a load there. Technically, what should have happened is you should have gone back and uh, claimed those miles as log, as as regular, you know, log miles. Right. Yeah. Is, I was, is the I, proper I way to handle a, it. 
Right. Yeah, I didn't know if I, you know, I mean, I just happened to go up there, spend a couple of days, as a matter of fact, I was Bobtail, and then just so happened there's a load right there. So, you know, went over yeah. there, you know, of course, I run power only, so. Yeah, see, and those are the worst because, you know, technically you're you're repositioning, so there was a financial gain to uh, to using the personal conveyance. Um, you know, it really didn't do you a whole lot of good because you probably had enough hours off duty to to get a reset in, so you really didn't have to do that. But yeah, if they wanted to split hairs and and uh, slap your hand for it, they're totally. You know that's that's a totally legitimate violation because you did reposition. Right, that's what I was thinking, but you know I figured I could argue my point. Not that I would win. Yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah, any uh, anybody else want to jump in and? Uh, Okay, it looks like we have a Don't couple of shy. questions on per- personal conveyance. So, uh, okay. And, uh, the first guy that asked the question, he came back, so I'm going to let him expand on it if he wanted to. we got Al in California. Hi, Al, you're on the air. All right, thanks. Hey, Al, thanks call. for... Uh, hey, no, thank you for tuning in. Where uh, Where are you in California? I'm right past you know, to Hatchapi here on 58 eastbound. Right by the lake. Oh, okay. I'm... Oh, gotcha. I'll be out yeah, there tomorrow. So... I'm I'm loading in the port. Oh, okay. I'm on my way to Phoenix from Oregon. I live in Hesperia, right there by the 15 and the 395. You know that's that. Yep. Yep. I drove yeah. by there about two four hours ago. <laughs> oh, okay, that's cool. All right. Anyways, so last night I got three three incidents. Last night, um, coming from Oregon, I ran out. My 14 hours ran out right at the exit at Corning to go to the Loves. So I went off duty, yep. and I and then I hit personal conveyance, and then I drove 300 yards to get to the truck stop. So is that uh, Cardinal Sand there, or what is, what is nope, how, how I, uh, that a violation? No, that's uh, – um, I've done that. So, no, you're – and, again, that's kind of that litmus test – where there really was no financial gain for you doing that. And, okay, you know, if the traffic had been, you know, if the traffic hadn't been so bad, you you probably would have had enough time to get in there. But, uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's totally acceptable. And, and again, we just don't want to make a habit of doing that every day. You keep pushing the envelope and keep pushing the envelope. Because then you kind of got a pattern and, and that one might be a little tough sell to an auditor that, uh, geez, you know, you do this every day. Like, really? Yeah, we might not be taking that too well. Actually, uh, yeah, because I, I had another occurrence last month on the way home, and I was probably four miles away from home. I still had some hours in my 11 hours, but the 14 hours ran out. And when I hit, did that, I went, and went personal and conveyance, and then I went home to get my 34 off you know, four-mile drive, so I, I said, well, I'll just keep my fingers crossed there, you know, but that was last month. Yeah, you know what, and, you know, that's, you know, four or five minutes 
I don't think anybody's going to, you know, going to give you too much grief over that. But it's when it's when that gets stretched out to, well, you know, it's now 15 minutes, 20 minutes, it's 25 minutes. You know, where do you draw that line in the sand? Right, right. Yeah, because I do want to keep, I, you know, I don't want, you know, now that I'm listening to the other stuff that you mentioned, yeah, I'll definitely find my trips better. But what about... Okay, uh, the 14 hours run out, and let's just say I do have maybe an hour and a half left on my 11. Can I take a two-hour break and then use that hour to get, you know, to my final destination, home, which is when my case seems like on the way home it happens. Well, yeah, you can use that split, split sleeper berth provision, providing you didn't use all of your 11 hours the day before. Like if you used the 11 hours the day before then you need a 10-hour break. If you only used seven hours the day before, you know, you could get away with eight eight hours off or two hours off, and then you get, you know, your drive time back, and then you take your eight hours off. And uh, and, and that's kind of the nice thing about the e-log. It does all the calculation for you, but if you uh, if you used your 11 hours the day before, then the split sleeper doesn't do you any good. Oh, okay, because I'm thinking it was for the day that you're using. So, like, like say, if I had, uh, like I said, maybe the day before I used 10 hours, right, and I'm 45 minutes from home on yep. this day, and I've got, I'm using 10 hours today, can I take a two-hour split and use that, that hour to get home on a 45-minute drive? Yes. Okay. And, and you're really long to calculate that but but the full 11 hours a day before, right? If it's like 10 and a half hours yeah, and then I use 10 and a half hours, I'm okay then? Well, you'd, you'd have 30 minutes. Right, right, 30 minutes. Whatever you did, yeah, whatever you didn't use the day before is what you get get to use. Oh, it's from the day before, not and, for the day that you're using? Correct. Because nice? it's, uh, well... Yeah, if you yeah, if you if you've got if you've got half an hour left and you're yeah, you can take your 8-hour break and then you can use the other half hour. Yeah. Okay, okay. You, so let me let, you, me let me put it to you this way then. So I drove 10 and a half hours yesterday and then today I yep. drove 11. It's today I drove 11. I get yesterday's half hour, right? Nope. No, if you no. used all your time up today, you're you're done. But you're saying I I get yesterday's time though, even if oh, okay. Wait. I just say that's what you're telling me, right? Yesterday I used ten and a half hours, and then today I use well, let's just say ten. So do I get yesterday's half hour to use, or do I get today's one hour? No, sorry, you get you you get today's one hour. Oh, okay, okay, that's right. Now can I? Okay, so then let's just say I started, you know, six in the morning. It's uh, twelve hours later. I only use. 10 hours, can I take a two-hour break and then get that last hour, or does it have to be eight? The first break, does it have to be eight or two? Oh, I'm sorry. I'd have to look. Yeah, because the way it says, the way I read it on my old um, paper log, it says either one of the two, so I just, but I've, I've always, you know, word of mouth, everybody's going, oh, you got to take your first, you know, uh, eight hours, the first break has to be eight hours, then you got to take two, but the way I read it, it sounds like it's, it says either one. 
Well, and that's what I hate about that slit sleeper because it was up to yeah, you know. Yeah. There's so much interpretation and so many. If you ask eight eight different DOT officers, you get ten answers. Cause yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what that's what I love about the ELD because it figures it. It's smarter than I am, and it figures it out for you and tells you whether or not, what you've got. And I want to say yeah. you can take your two hours and you can drive you know, that half an hour or whatever you've got left, and I think you're okay. I, I, I'll i go out on a limb, and I I believe that's that will work. Yeah, because that's, like I said, I read it, must have read it about ten times to <laughs> that federal regulation. Oh. And it's it, it, that's the way I understand, like you say, yeah, it's, it says either, whether, it doesn't say specifically, it says either one. That's That's what it says. Yeah. No, I uh, I think you're all right. You, uh, uh, but the two hours has to be in the sleeper berth. It it can't be off. It can't be off duty. It has to be a two hour block in the sleeper berth minimum. Oh, okay, okay. Now, okay, now that's a clarification there. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of times I am, um, maybe another out of line to them. Well, uh, maybe uh, thirty minutes, thirty minutes from home. <laughs> Man, oh yeah. I'm close, you know. Yeah. So this way, but I wouldn't have hey, a problem. Well, just okay, get two hours, get two hours of sleep birth, and that's it, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and and uh, when uh, when you're on that I-15 corridor, uh, I drive a bright orange T680 Kenworth with Needham Trucking on the trailer. So give me a yell, and don't forget to wave with all your fingers, and you could buy me coffee, or I could buy you lunch. <laughs> I sure will. Yeah, I'm in a in a curtain, a roll top curtain. And I've got a 14 T680, but it's all gray. And so, yeah, I'll, uh, I'm old I'll get and, <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah, I'm old and lazy, so I pull a, van, I pull a reefer. Gotcha. All right. Okay. Thank we you, sir. We have a couple more questions on the line. All right. Thanks for, thanks for right. jumping in. Yeah, we've got a couple more questions on the line. We've got more personal conveyance. Buddy in Pennsylvania has something on personal conveyance. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, thanks for everything you guys do. Uh, I have a question. I, I uh, deliver to a distribution center, drop the load, and I'm on the old people net, so I don't have personal conveyance. So what I do is uh, do my post trip, go off duty, log out of the system, put in the notes, personal conveyance, drive home, do my 10, or my um, 34, whichever, and then I drive back to where I originally started from and then start my clock back up. I'm getting two answers saying that. Go ahead. You're 100% correct. Okay. You're you're totally fine because you meet all the criteria because basically you're bobtailing and you're not repositioning the equipment, there's no financial gain, and you're starting and stopping from the same location. So that's exactly what personal conveyance is. And basically, your truck turns into your pickup truck. Right. Is it okay? Because I heard you saying about like making it a habit. I do this on a regular basis. Um, yeah, sometimes it might be twice. A... Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and that's, I mean, you're using it for exactly what you're using it for. Uh, What I was referring to 
you know, if you're always stretching the window and you're always pushing the envelope and, you know, you need to drive that extra 10, 15 minutes every day, yeah, you don't want to get into that habit. But, I mean, you're going home and you're taking your break and you're going right back to where you started. That's exactly what personal conveyance was uh, was designed for. Okay. Yeah, because some people were telling me that when I leave my house after my 10, nope. I'm supposed to drive back on duty. No, nope, okay. absolutely not. You're, uh, you're, because uh, you haven't, you know, you haven't started. You're, you're driving back to get your trailer and, and that's your next dispatch. Right. You know, it'd be different if, if you were dispatched, you know, from, uh, you live in, uh, you know, you live in Chicago and you're, uh, you drop that trailer in uh, Elkhorn, Indiana, and uh, you know you you can drive from Elkhorn to Chicago, and then Chicago back to Elkhorn. But if you've got a dis, uh, dispatch in Elkhorn or in uh, in Chicago when you're at home, sending you to Milwaukee, well, that's not personal conveyance because you're repositioning that piece of equipment. But if you're going oh, so right back to where you started from, you're you're totally you're totally fine. So uh, that just confused me. When I come home and I get a phone call saying that, um, you know, your next dispatch, even though it's coming out of where I originally went off duty, I have to go on duty to leave my house? Nope. 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 Because you're picking up, you're, you're starting from exactly where you stopped. Even though I'm dispatched. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Because cause you're not, uh, they're not paying you the empty miles to go from your house no. back up to the warehouse, are they? No. So that, no. No. that's no different than, than if you parked the truck in the employee parking, slammed the door, jumped in your personal car and went home, and then drove back, parked your personal car, jumped in your big truck, and drove through the security okay. gate and slammed under your trailer. That's, you know, you're at that point. Your big truck becomes your personal can be your personal vehicle, and and you can go home or go wherever you like as long as you return back to where you started. So, no, you're 100 percent correct. In Beautiful. What you're doing. I, thank you for what you guys do, and uh, you guys have a good night. <laughs> Anytime. Uh, got a couple more questions. We'll see if we can't get them in before the show is over. Got one comment and one question. We got Scott in Wisconsin. Has oh okay well Scott dropped so we have one question left. Uh, Wes in no there he is I'm sorry the board moved on me that was my fault. Okay so Scott in Wisconsin has a comment on Russ's personal conveyance. Hey Scott you're on the air. Hey Scott. hey guys good to talk to you again. So yeah I'll try try and make this quick. Um, if I'm not mistaken. Whenever I, the last time I went through the uh, the actual guidance section for the personal conveyance, one of the questions that it addressed in there was, "What if I, you know, can I drive home on personal conveyance? And then what if I get dispatched from there? How do I account for that prior personal conveyance time? And unless something changed recently, you can actually go from the yard or whatever." take your truck home on personal conveyance, and then if you get dispatched from home and let's say your next load picks up in that town, kind of like with his friends, 
he's still good on the personal conveyance from the yard to the house or to his friends, but then from that point to go pick up that load, that does have to be counted on duty. It, there, yeah, I want to go back and double check on that, but I'm pretty sure that is an allowed exception to the personal conveyance. And that's and that's where this whole thing is such a nightmare, and why they need to reinter re reinterpret that because you know I, I agree you know that's as an enforcement officer it's uh, um, you know it's not a hill I'd die on but you know it's still in the regulation that you can't reposition and you can't uh, um, you know you can't uh, you know, move equipment around and, and benefit financially. So it's, I'm glad they're going to open this thing back up and, and come out with some clear guidance. Yeah, and just as a general recommendation, um, if you go onto the FMCSA's website, you know, for all the other new drivers out there, once you get used to how that website is laid out, I mean, it's a wealth of information because you don't only have the regulations, but they do have the guidance sections on there with all the questions and answers. So you can actually fairly easily look up all this gray area stuff yourself if you want to. Yep, absolutely. And and that's a way better, uh, um, you know, a way better place to get your information from than Facebook. Okay, we're going to end the show on your favorite topic, Dale. Splits, sleeper birth. Wes in Illinois. Oh. Splits, sleeper birth. Hey, Go Wes. Ahead, Wes. You're on the air. Yeah. Uh, how many times in a row can you use the uh, eight-hour portion of the split sleeper without going to take the other two? You know, you're running around an area making a delivery here and a pickup over there and then got to put one in the yard there. You know, but you you burn up, you know, on the calendar two or three days doing this, but they're spread out around the days. You work three or four hours or five hours and then, you know, can you take the eight hour and then go do something and, you know, it's going to take you three or four hours again and then take another eight and go on from there like that? As long as as long as long you've got the, uh, um, you know, the time, you can, uh, you can run that eight and two. You're still going to have to take two hours somewhere. But if you want to do that split, I know guys that do the split sleeper berth five days in a row, but you're still going to wind up with that eight and two combination to get, to get the 10 hours of off duty. Um, and that's one of the beauties of, uh, uh, of these e-logs. It does all the calculations for you. And, you know, at a glance, it'll tell you exactly what, uh, what you've got left and where you need to be. And does that help you out? Yeah. That's not the way they explained you know, it to us about four or five years ago when we went on to the uh, PeopleNet system. Yeah, and it's yeah, you know, it'll it'll calculate and and uh, you can 
as long as it's because that was the problem. Uh, everybody, like I say, if you asked 10 DOT officers how split sleeper birth worked, you got 14 answers. And and we didn't have a real good grasp of it because it was just way too vague and there was way too much interpretation. So, uh, you know, it's sadly it's come down. If the box says you got enough hours, you know, once they come up with a with a uh, a final rule on this, hopefully they're going to make it a lot easier, and that'd be an easier question to answer for you. But you know, if you wind up, you know, over a period of days where you work four hours, and you know, chances are you're going to have that either eight hours or or a block of ten somewhere, or an eight and two, you know, somewhere where you can. You know, still be in compliance. But you have to have the two hours in there. You're saying some somewhere in there, you've got to you've got to when you when you add it all up and and keep moving the graph down because it turns into a sliding scale. Somewhere you have to be able to find a break of ten hours between every workday, or well, where I'm at tonight, uh, you know. It'll be midnight when I get there, and I've only got about six hours uh, or a little bit more than that, uh, a few minutes more driving. And then I'll get unloaded between 7 and 8 in the morning. And uh, where I'm supposed to reload is like 70 miles from there. And I'm going over there, and then, as long as. As long as the day, yeah. As long as the day before you didn't use up your full eleven to uh, to get there, then like if you only used eight hours or you used nine hours on on Tuesday to uh, at at midnight get to where you needed to be, so you take your eight hours off. You now have three hours that you can take back before you have to have a, that two-hour break. And then you'll regain uh, that nine hours back. You run it, and then you're going to have to take your eight-hour break. Is that confusing enough? <laughs> uh, I wind up running over midnight a lot of times. How does that affect the uh, split? Well, you know, it it really it doesn't because you know you've got your uh, you know you're still um, you're you just stop the clock at one o'clock in the morning and take your eight hour break and now at at nine o'clock in the morning you're you're ready to utilize whatever you didn't use the day before. So that really doesn't change things. Back in the back in the old old freight days. Um, when I started, quite a few of the uh, LTL carriers ran noon to noon. Their logbooks actually uh, started at noon and finished noon the next day, because they were uh, everybody did the overnight run. Yeah, yeah. I got to admit, uh, keeping track of it with paper with log was a whole lot easier. <laughs> Didn't take here so much thinking. Oh well, and I'm yeah. Somebody way smarter than me dreamed all this stuff up. So unfortunately, this is the hand we've been dealt. And yeah, 
here we are. Yeah, I, I logged uh, damn near 30 years with the paper log for this site show. <laughs> Yeah, I did. Uh, I did 38 years, and like I say, somebody. Well, I remember when we didn't have hours of service rules in Canada. So when I first started driving, yeah, we are out of time. On that note, thank you very much for everybody that tuned in, and uh, stay safe, stay compliant, and. Uh, Don't forget to take that great big deep cleansing breath and life is good again. We'll catch you next month. All right. Thanks, Dale. Anytime.